This is FBG Jen. And FBG Kristen. And I'm FBG Margot, host and producer. You're listening to the podcast that will help you keep a lid on the junk in the trunk and inspire you to live a happy and confident life. Each episode, we chat with motivational experts and celebs and share our own candid adventures in being healthy. If you're looking for a podcast that's equal parts hilarious and enlightening, well then welcome to the Fit Bottom Girls podcast. Welcome back to the Fit Bottom Girls podcast. This is FBG Margot, and on the line today we have Jen. Hello, hello. And we have Kristen. Hi. And Jen, you weren't there. Kristen and I were very, very lucky. Today our guest is Travis Brorson, and he has a show on Animal Planet called My Big Fat Pet Makeover. And he's basically helping (laughs) pet owners with chubby pets (laughs) help them slim down. And I was saying to you off the air, but Kristen and I, when we were talking to him, he is possibly the nicest person we've possibly had on the show so far. We've had some awesome people. Aw, I can't wait to hear it. Yeah, he's a total sweetheart. And so the show just launched. And so basically the show is, what you do is they have pets that have weight issues. I'll just be really blunt. And I love the first episode. They had this beagle. And I forget the beagle's name, but he was like 46 pounds. And he really needed to slim down. And the owners were very indulgent with him. But they had a thing. They left their people treats in their backpacks. And this beagle was smart enough and clever enough to get into the backpacks. (laughs) (laughs) Eat the treats. So they learned they had to put the treats away. And then, Kristen, you were telling us you have a similar story. Yeah, so I have my I have three do- or three animals, two dogs and a cat. My oldest dog, Rudy, is a lab mix. And anybody who's had a lab knows that, um, like beagles, they tend to really, really, really like food. So as she was growing up, she got into a lot of a lot of stuff, but we've had a couple of occasions where it's it's actually gotten really dangerous. And one of them was she got into some some people medications that for whatever reason smelled good to her. Yeah, that was a week in the ICU. Um, she's now, I mean, the, the exciting news is that she's now in some medical journal or veterinary journals because she's the only dog to have survived that. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, and you know, this is like, you know, medication that was like in a drawer. And, and then we had more recently, I had a, a box of, of protein bars that was, I mean, in, in a cardboard box, you know, boxed up and sealed and it was in my office ready for me to to look into and review and I came home one day and what do you know but she had eaten into the cardboard box and eaten a bunch of the the bars which (laughs) then sent her um not only in she had a pancreatitis which is really dangerous for dogs um and then also acute renal failure which had been the issue with the other (laughs) the other incident so it's really important, like if you have a, a dog who, and she's she's now extra hungry because uh, she has seizures, so she's on a medication that just makes her like super hungry, and I feel so bad for her because, you know, I mean, like we've all been really hungry and been ready to eat stuff that, like whatever's in front of us, right? But mm-hmm. we at least have the control to say like, okay, so I don't have anything that's appropriate for eating here. Like I'm going to go to the store and buy, you know, even if that's like, I'm going to go buy a protein bar. But, yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. She was just sitting there like being really hungry. And um, yeah, so that was another few days in the ER, but oh. she, she came back out and she's fine. But we now um, we had to go back to crating her when we were gone because she couldn't be trusted. And we're really careful about putting everything up. And like when we have dog sitters, they sometimes laugh when I've got like these like very specific instructions, but I'm like, 
literally like if you have stuff in your room, it has to either be put up or it needs to be like you need to just have the doors closed if you're not there watching because she will just eat it. She will eat boxes. She will eat anything. So we do like we add uh, we haven't done this for a while because she's kind of gotten things under control, but we we were adding um, shredded carrots and stuff to her food because that adds some bulk and some fullness without adding a whole bunch of calories. Because, you know, the other thing is she's 10 years old and she's a little bit arthritic. Like we can't have her put on more weight yeah. than she mm-hmm. has. So it, it turns into this, you know, it's. I think that a lot of times people see like, you know, they're kind of fat pet and they're like, Oh yeah, they, they try to eat everything. But like, it really can become a very serious matter very quickly in certain situations. So if you have a pet and if you're maybe adjusting their food or their medication or anything, and you see that they're like exceptionally hungry, I would urge you to be a little extra cautious with where things are. <laughs> and, uh, you think they can break into something, but they just, you know, if they're desperate enough, they really might figure out a way. They, <laughs> even the dumb dogs can seem really smart when food's in play. Kristen, did I tell you that um, that Sienna? Okay, so Sienna, my dog, who's she's gonna be, she's gonna be ten in like less than a month now. So she's really, she's kind of getting up there a little bit. But um, she never like will hang out in my office unless it's raining. Like then she wants to be right by me. But the rest of the time, she's like always in like a different part of the house. She's never in my home office. And the other day I heard her, I heard her in here and I was like, what is she doing? That's so unusual. Why would she be in there? And then I heard this rustling around and I was like, Oh, oh dog, what are you doing? <laughs> and she, I had a whole bunch of Cheerios set out. Like they'd sent me a whole bunch of their new flavors. Oh boy. And oh boy. She was just like, yeah. And they were, the box was closed. And so she had somehow like opened the box. Like she's a very careful dog. Like she doesn't like tear into things. <laughs> she's, and she's really quiet about it. She's really, really sneaky. And so, yeah, she just like had opened it up and had her whole like head in. <laughs> I think they were the pumpkin spice Cheerios, which are quite delicious. But yeah, yeah. it was just like, just like quietly munching. Just <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and She's so like, I just learned. This is the best dog food I've ever had. <laughs> right, <laughs> this is amazing. It's so seasonal. Yeah. <laughs> so then, I mean, I was like, okay. So I had to keep, you know, all the Cheerio boxes like up at a higher place so that she wouldn't eat all of them. Uh, oh. And she's been hangry. Like she gets really hangry. Well, at about four forty-five every day. She just is. I mean incessant with like pawing at me or being like hey or barking and it's really easy I think because you know in some ways you can be like well you know if a pet's overweight and unhealthy like it's easy just feed them less I mean uh if they're like eating boxes and yeah <laughs> not leave you alone it's a whole lot easier said than done sometimes yeah well and you guys had the the special challenge of trying to keep her like fit and mentally stimulated and trim while she had to recover from a was that ACL surgery? Yeah, yeah. So Sienna, that's special. Yeah, Gwen was like my daughter was only like three months old or something, and we were sitting outside. I was having a cup of coffee. Sienna like bolted after a squirrel in the backyard, jumped off of our deck. Well, it's just like a porch; it's not very far. But she still she like launched herself forward, and yeah, I heard like uh, not a good noise from a body. Ooh. <laughs> Um, and then she yelped and then her leg, like one of her back legs, her, her right back leg 
the thing was just kind of like hanging and I'm like, okay, that's probably not ideal. And yeah, so she tore ACL. And that was the other thing was that Sienna, you know, could eat a lot more when she had full mobility, but once she tore her ACL and the rehab process for that is, um, you know, much like a person, it takes, you know, weeks and weeks and weeks to recover. It was like a full, I think it was a full like month to six weeks that she was pretty much just limited to, to laying or just slowly walking to like eat or drink or to go to sleep. That was it. Or to go to the bathroom. She couldn't go for walks or anything. And so she was a very, she used to run with me. I mean, she was a very active dog. So it's like her, it's like her stomach didn't understand that yeah, she sure. was active. She still wanted the same amount of food. And she is, she's a shepherd mix and she's really, really brilliant. She is one of the smartest dogs I've ever encountered. She's also really neurotic, don't get me wrong. But she's awesome and smart. And so that's been one of the things that we've really tried to focus on is although she can't be physically active, we can't wear her out that way like we used to. Now it is all about the games and the puzzles. And um, right now she's on like a joint supplement. We get two of those. And like, I don't just hand them to her. I put them in one of those treat balls. So it's going to take her longer to eat. And she, now she's like used to it. Now she will come over to me, you know, like, okay, I ate. Like, where's my treat ball? And that's when you get, she gets her little supplements. But yeah, it can be really, really challenging. What about yeah. your cats, Margo? Yeah, so I have two cats. I was raised with dogs, by the way, and a lot of golden retrievers. And they have their own like hip issues and stuff like that. And uh, they're, they're known for that. And we've had that problem. You know, you, you have to feed them less because they're doing less. But you tell a golden retriever they can't eat as much. You know, first of all, they're just so cute. You can't stand it. You don't want to like not feed them. But they also will give you a hard time. But uh, I have two cats now. And one, the funny thing is one of them is really fat and needs to lose weight. And the other one's actually kind of skinny. And it's hard to keep weight on her. So uh-huh. she has to have food that binds her. So she has to have pumpkin in all of her wet food and it took a while, but now she anticipates and she's okay with it. And that way, that way she processes all the food. But the other one is just like the nightmare of all nightmares. And she doesn't like exercise and she's a bit of a moody cat. She's on Prozac. Everybody thinks it's hilarious, but it, you know, it works for her. She has, she has her issues, but yeah, that's, that's what I go through. So I, I feed them this high protein dry food and there's the stuff they really, really like and the stuff that's okay. And I've learned like, just get them the okay stuff because I get the stuff they really like. It's expensive and they go through it so quickly. So that's what's going on in this apartment right now. Oh. <laughs> Behavior issues so, and food. <laughs> yeah. So my, my parents have a cat. His name is Tebow and he is, he's a very large cat. Um, and I mean, he's like naturally, he is legitimately big boned. Like I will give him that he is big boned, <laughs> but he also is a little, a little on the heavy side and he really, really likes food. And they, they took to giving him his food in a food puzzle. And, you know, you have to be careful with cats because they can, um, like if they don't like the food you're giving them, or if they don't like the way you're giving it to them, they might just not eat, which is very bad. So, you know, they were really careful about like giving him just like a little bit in there and still offering him his food. And he ended up loving his, his treat toy so much. Um, and, and they were, just, it, it's not filled with treats. It's filled with like his actual kibble, but that he only wants to eat his food out of there. Mm. Um, and it's really cute. And he, it, let's be clear. He's not like chasing it around the house. He lays on his side, kind of like Jabba the Hutt <laughs> and like bats at it. But it's still Aww. it's still more exercise than it would be of him just like sitting in front of his food dish. I and mean, it's more mentally stimulating. So that's been really um, it's been really cool to see him do that and just like love it. So that's 
you know, and it's hard for us with the, the treats, toys and the puzzles because we've got the two dogs and they only want to do what the other one is doing. <laughs> so that ends up being a bit of a challenge here. But I, I'm such like they're their food bowls are actually like elevated spinny sectioned off things. So they're cool. They are cool. They, it it slows them down a little bit, not a lot. It's still, you know, it's like 90 seconds to eat maybe instead of 30. Um, (laughs) (laughs) They're not mindful. (laughs) Yeah. They're like, they don't understand what mindful eating. Like they also don't understand intuitive eating. They're like, no, eat until I can't move. (laughs) Then eat more. (laughs) Every once in a while in those cat shows, I see they have like, they'll, they'll take a big cat and they'll bring in this huge circle and it's like a hum- like a habit trail, but it's for cats, you know, like they have for gerbils. And they'll put it in there, oh, just put the cat in there, you know, and put a little treat thing. And then they'll, that's, they'll get the exercise every single day. And I just like, I just know. I would spend the money on something like that. They would do it maybe once or twice. And then I would just put laundry on it or something. It would just, they would just never <laughs> put it, take it into their lives. They would never adapt <laughs> to it. I mean, it's a great idea, but I wish. So I say we just go right into this episode now with Travis Borson. What do you guys say? Yeah. Sounds good. An obesity rate for dogs and cats is more than 50%. In Animal Planet's new series, My Big Fat Pet Makeover, pet expert and trainer Travis Brorson begins a four-month-long weight loss and behavior modification journey with pet owners and their overweight animals with the aim of helping each pet live a healthier and happier life. Each show ends with Brorson returning for a final weigh-in to see just how far the pets and pet owners have come along. Travis is a major advocate of promoting positive, calm behaviors and promoting overall health and wellness. He suggests owners include their pets in their own daily exercise routines when possible and believes good nutrition for dogs is of great importance. He is here today to talk about his new show, plus offer our listeners advice on how to raise our pets in the healthiest way possible. Welcome to the show, Travis. Hi, Margo, Kristen. How are y'all doing? We're doing great today. We are so thrilled to have you on our show. So once again, everybody, this is FBG Margo and FBG Kristen. And Travis, I am going to ask you the first question. I am the owner of a fat cat who is not interested in exercise, but needs to lose a bit of belly weight from her. So what are your favorite tips for pet parents of fat kitties? Sure. Well, you know, I wish it was as simple as saying, you know, let's feed less food and let's do more exercise. You know, if it was that simple, uh, everybody could do it. The problem is, you know, less food is, is it's relative. Like what is less food? You know, how much extra are you feeding? Where is it coming from? Who's giving it, you know, and then again, the exercise, we're dealing with a cat. So a lot of people are like to get my cat to get off the couch is (laughs) like ridiculous, a ridiculous request. Right. So, you know, what we do on the show is we really focus on, you know, getting in tune with the owners, what, what drives them, what motivates them, what are their lifestyles like? And then that way we can, you know, relate through, you know, what they enjoy in order to get their pets motivated. So, you know, for instance, you know, we had a cat on the show named Bo Nugget and uh, Bo Nugget had convinced his parents that he didn't want to do anything. He didn't want to play with any toys. All he wanted to do was eat. So all his owners did was feed him. They literally, when the bowl was empty, they would refill it again. So one of the first things, you know, we recommend is that you measure out the food. Know exactly how much you're giving your pet so that if your pet is overweight, you know what, quote unquote, reducing the food actually means. You all being in great shape and doing a lot of exercise, calories are just as important to count for overweight pets as they are for overweight people. So knowing exactly how many calories your pet should be getting compared to the amount of exercise. And then 
wrap this question up with exercising the cat. And we brought in a giant cat wheel, which looked like a humongous hamster wheel for this <laughs> cat. And we got that cat on there and they were like, there's no way, there's no way, there's no way he's going to do it. There's no way he's going to do it. Well, we, even though we used food to motivate him on the cat wheel, we strategically used food from his, you know, new reduced amount of intake for food that he was supposed to be having. So he was extra hungry, got him on the cat wheel. It wasn't extra food or extra calories. And that little guy, I shouldn't say little guy, that's a bad term. That big dude started walking on that treadmill and the owners were just in shock. So it's little things like that. It's just important that we we that I find what works for the owner's lifestyle that, so that they can make that connection with their pet. Yeah. And would you say, kind of following up on that, the I know like I've changed my cat's food recently and my vet was like, you know what, it gives you this huge range of, I mean, it's all huge meaning like an eighth of a cup range per day, but my cat is eight pounds. So that's actually quite a big range. And I have a really good relationship with my vet. So we just discuss like what I've been feeding her and what food it is. Um, And I found her to be a really good resource for figuring out exactly where I should start with that food. Is that what you would recommend is like talk to your vet or is there, do you have other resources that people might want to look to? Yeah, that's a great question. There's nothing more confusing than what kind of food to give your pet. I mean, it is so confusing. And then when you buy it, like you said, you look at the back of the bag and it says, whether it's a cat or a dog, it'll say, if your pet weighs between four and 15 pounds, right. you know, right. feed it, feed it, feed it half a cup to a cup and a half. And you're like, well, wait. And so, so yes, obviously you start with the vet. They're the professional. I obviously can't get to everybody's home, but everybody right. should have a good vet they trust. And, you know, and a quick tip is, is find out what your pet's ideal weight is, not necessarily what they currently weigh. And then once you know the ideal weight, then you want to portion to meet that weight because we had a pet on the show that weighed 50 pounds. Well, it was supposed to weigh, you know, 35 to 38 pounds. Well, they were feeding it two cups a day for this dog, which is a close to what you would feed a 50 pound dog. So they were maintaining his obesity the whole time they had him, you know? And so, but they were going off the back of the bag, you know, they just thought, well, he falls in that range. He's still hungry. We can feed him up too you know, X amount. And so, yeah, so it's, it's all about, you know, getting with your vet, finding what's healthy, what your pet weigh, and then knowing when it says on the back of the bag, those, those are for unspayed, unneutered, very active pets. That's what, that's what those are for on the back of the bag. If you have a couch potato, your pet doesn't fall in that, right? That, that's t- too many calories if you have a pet that isn't, that isn't exercising. So that's another thing to to keep in mind as well. Thank you. Where do you stand personally on the wet food versus dry food for pets? Yeah, absolutely. You know, again, you guys are full of these great questions, which (laughs) is obviously why we're talking. You know, so the big big brand food companies, believe it or not, they actually have the money to do the research and to hire the nutrition specialists to get to the bottom line of what needs to be in pet food, okay? So a dry dog food that is healthy and balanced, you know, by a a reputable company has all the ingredients that your pet needs to survive, right? So here's here's one of the common denominators in overweight pets. Somebody will start out feeding their pet dry food, 
And then they'll ask a friend, oh, my gosh, my daughter likes their dry food. And they'll go, well, add some wet food to it, you know, or add some chicken or add some whatever. And, you know, and as soon as I hear this, I'm like, you know, I don't love broccoli, but when you pour Velveeta cheese over it, I'll eat the whole plate. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, <laughs> you know, we have to be we have to be careful to know that these are really two separate meals. Now, if you're mixing them together, but cutting them in half, right, to equal the right, um, the right portion, the right ounce size, uh, the right measurement size, you know, then at the end of the day, in my opinion, it's really up to what the owner likes. Um, a lot of my owners, I'm like, what's convenient? Is it convenient for you to do the cans and mix them and do a little, you know, doggy salad for your dog? And if it makes you feel good, do it. But at the end of the day, dry, wet, it can, it can really be a personal preference unless you're talking about specifically cats and, and cats can really get a lot of the extra water out of that, you know, that moisture dry food for cats that don't drink enough water, you know, wet food can be very, very helpful for them. Awesome. All right. So I want to shift the focus for a second um, because as you were just talking, I had to put myself on mute because UPS came. And so my dogs went absolutely crazy over here. The perils of working from a home office. So really glad that that question was your turn, Margo. Um, but so I want to talk about hyper and excitable dogs. Yeah. Because obviously giving them ample opportunity to run and play is ideal. But right now, you know, we're getting into fall and that means in a lot of parts of the country, winter is around the corner or, you know, in my neck of the woods, there are times of the year when it's honestly just too hot to go to take them out for a long walk anytime, but like when it's totally dark out. So I wondered if you could share a few tips for helping dogs work off some of that energy indoors without having to deal with the with the weather sure yeah so as both of you know you know when it comes to being healthy it's not just about you know physical you know health and wellness you know when you talk about a healthy person we talk about you and you guys talk about you know not just physically but mentally as well and it's the same for the dogs you know working a dog's mind you know is is so crucial to making a healthy dog. And a lot of that can be done inside. So, uh, you know, my, my background is in, you know, training and behavior. So each element to, to this show, there's not just a weight loss element, but there's also a training element. So we have dogs, uh, you know, like you would appreciate this, that, you know, dark at, bark at the doorbell, jump on, you know, uh, friends and neighbors that come over, you know, dogs that, are all over the furniture, have no rules. So it's really about this whole lifestyle change. And so to answer your question specifically, you know, wintertime, indoors, what do we do with our pets? Well, there is, you could go on Amazon, you could go anywhere and you could find really, really fun food toys that are like puzzle toys. And what I encourage my own, yeah. And what I encourage my owners to do with them is don't, don't, you don't need to put treats in them. Take Take their food, and again, assuming it's dry food, and if they're having half a cup for breakfast, take that half a cup of kibble, put it in that food ball, that food toy, that food puzzle, and make them work for their meal. You know, that's what they crave to do. If we're, you know, if we're going to go climb Mount Everest, it's work. But when we get to the top, how good do we feel? Well, I say we. I've never climbed Mount Everest and probably couldn't. I'm sure you <laughs> two could. But 
you know, dogs, dogs love, they just love to accomplish things. They love to be challenged uh, mentally and physically. So that's a great indoor activity. If you have stairs in your house and your dog obviously fetch and, you know, you could do that, but fetch up and down the stairs, you could get going up and down the stairs. The dog would love to chase you. The dog doesn't see it as a workout or cat. Cats obviously are a little more difficult, but you know, cats love things that fly and move and make noise. So get some cat toys and don't be afraid to get those things out and get your pets moving indoors. It's it's just easier to do than you think, but it does take effort from the owners. So on your show, my big fat pet makeover, uh, were there any pets in particular this season that you thought were especially challenging to help and what tricks did you use to figure them out? Sure. So, you know, the, the big turtles with these pets aren't the pets. It's, it's the owners, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, my job, obviously, if, if, if they just handed over the pet to me, I could take the pet and in six to 12 months, I could hand it back and it would be a huge transformation. But if the owners don't make the commitment to change, the pet would just put the weight back on. And the whole benefit of having a pet is, is to enjoy the positive impact that they can have on your life through the process of raising them and growing this awesome bond and relationship that we can have with them. So first and foremost, my job is to reestablish that positive bond and relationship building with the pet and the owner. And once they've bought into that, it's really downhill from there. Um, one, we had one challenging pet. Well, we had multiple, obviously, because it, it's a TV show. <laughs> So there was a, lots of challenges. Um, but we had a potbelly pig on the first season. And I don't know if you all have worked with pigs or know anybody with a potbelly pig. Do you? I do. No. You do You do know someone? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I had a friend who, who kept them as, as pets. And they were, they're like the most amazing pet yeah. ever. Yeah. They're wonderful. Yeah. It, they are. And they're, they're, pigs in general are some of the smartest animals. Yep. And so, so smart that they can be the most stubborn as well. You know, this was a family that lived on a ranch. They treated their potbelly pig like a pet. It came in the house. They painted its nails. It watched TV with them. It was supposed to weigh somewhere around 140, 150 pounds, and it weighed almost 200 pounds. Oh, my God. Uh, and, and, of course, you think, potbelly pig, isn't it supposed to be fat? You know, and, I mean, again, is it supposed to be? Well, it depends on who you ask. Should it be? Is that the most healthy? Well, absolutely not. And so we had to implement exercise plans we because it was a pig we had to it was going around it was eating the chicken feed it was eating the cat food it was eating the horse feed i mean it was getting into the dog food and then it would go eat nuts all day under the trees right and then just pass out from being so full (laughs) um so we really had a challenge there and honestly again back to the owners the biggest challenge was getting the buy-in from the owners that that they could actually do it but people feel so guilty Margot and Kristen, they feel their guilt overtakes them. And when I would come back for a check-in, a lot of the owners would say, well, we started off good, but then we just felt so bad, mm-hmm. you know? And all I could tell them was, well, you can feel bad now and add two years to your pet's life because you get them healthy, or you could not feel bad now and then lose your pet and wish you would have made the changes when you could, you know, it's, it's really just all about perspective. That is such a good point. Yeah, it really is. Now, I, I'm wondering, you know, you help the owners to make these great changes for their pets. Do you see much change in the owner's fitness as they sort of embrace this new this new relationship and these new goals? 
Yeah, great question. So as you both know, it, it, for, for, for people in general, you know, to form a new habit, we're looking at somewhere around 21 days, right? If you want to start a diet, if you want to go back to the gym, if you, um, you know, want to make a life change, we need at least 21 days to start to form that new habit. Well, believe it or not, it's not that much different for the pets. They really will fall in line when we start to change these habits. And because we made lifestyle changes, we were, we were measuring out food, we were counting calories, we were putting together exercise routines on a daily basis with checklists, right? I mean, did, who did this today? Whose job was it? Check it off the list. And we move on for tomorrow. I mean, a lot like, you know, human exercise plans and diets. And so, yes, the uh, cat Bo Nugget, both of his parents lost weight. Um, the wife lost close to 15 pounds in the four months, and the husband lost close to 35 pounds in the four months. And wow. then Whoa. the following, yeah, and the following months, the husband lost an additional 15 pounds for a total of 50 pounds. Holy moly. Wow. I know. I know. Go Bo right? Nugget. That's amazing. Yeah. And, but it was it was just what, what you all said. Like if you we can get the whole family to buy in, these are lifestyle changes, right? It's it's not as simple as let's change the food, let's feed less and let's go exercise. Because that works for about five days. Right. You know, and then everybody everybody goes back to what they've been doing for so long because that's their old routine. So you know, my job was really, you know, to be these families' cheerleader, to be their motivator, to be their accountability partner, because at the end of the day, I don't have a chance with the pet if I can't get through to the owner. So you grew up on a ranch in Oklahoma around many animals. Uh, can you remember any early lessons you gained from that experience? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Uh, well, that, that could, this could be a whole other podcast, ladies. <laughs> we got to be careful here. <laughs> You know, I, I did. I, one of the ones that, that sticks out in my mind, and this kind this came up with Baby, the potbelly pig on the ranch, because growing up on the ranch, it taught me so much. But one of the most important things with having not just household pets, but livestock in general was responsibility, right? I was so distracted. I, I don't think they were diagnosing ADD or ADHD back when I was a little kid, but if they would have, I would have had them both over and over again because I could not stay focused to save my life. And so I'd go out and, and I'd put the hose in the water trough with the pigs, fill it up because it was a self-waterer where we had our pigs uh, in the pig pen. And, you know, one thing would lead to another, and I would just walk off and forget. And the next day, we'd wake up, and, like, the whole half the pasture would just be, like, soaked in water. And, of course, you know, dad and mom pay the water bill, so that didn't go over too well. So the, what my dad did is he said, any time with these pets, because you can't forget this kind of stuff, he said, you put the hose in, you pick up a rock, and you carry that rock around until you carry it around, until you turn the water off. And I was like, well, I don't get it. And he goes, well, eventually you're going you're gonna to go, why am I holding this rock? And then you're going to go, oh, it's because I left the water running on the pig trough, and you're going to go turn it off. And from that day forward, you know, learning responsibility through having these pets was one of the biggest, you know, benefits I learned growing up on a ranch. That's really cool. I love that. Now, so we talked a little bit before about, um, you know, what people can do indoors. And obviously, you know, going taking your animals for walks is great. But what are, I wonder if you have some other fun activities and games and things that people can play with their dogs so that both the dog is getting exercise and ideally 
the person is getting some exercise because I'm pretty sure our listeners are going to want to know about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, for the for the pets, it's it's all about moving uh, physically and mentally. So when we work with the owners, I always find out what what do they enjoy doing and what do they do in their daily lives. I get it. A lot of people can't take their pets to work. I mean, if we could, the world would be a better place, right? But we just can't all do that. So whether it's hiking or running or, you know, maybe I have some owners who would go to Home Depot or they'd go to, you know, a, a, an outdoor store. And I'm like, you can take your dogs to those places, right? So getting in the car is an activity, going to the place, walking around it, being stimulated by all the things that are around, a lot of outdoor coffee shops. You know, there's outdoor restaurants you can take your pets to. When you think about it, you walk to the car, you drive there, you walk from the car to the place, you sit there mentally and emotionally, they're working their minds. You can be working on things when you're there where you can be working on sit and stay and quiet, you know, but really it's all about how do we incorporate, you know, our pets activities into what we normally do instead of just choosing to leave them at home. At home, you know, again, a rainy day, well, what I love to do, I mean, cats will love this too, um, but especially the dogs is we would, we build indoor obstacle courses, you know, like you would for a kid, you know, back, back in the, you know, when you were a child and we would take the furniture and we'd move it around and then we would take our dog through the obstacle course and then go up and around and over the cushion and under the coffee table. And, you know, there's, so there's just a lot of different things um, that you can do to get those pets moving, but you have to get creative sometimes. And, you know, to not do anything is not an answer. So I mentioned in your introduction that you're a major advocate of promoting positive, calm behaviors for your pets. And the fat cat that I mentioned before, I, I love her to death, but she's also on Prozac because she has a bit of a mood disorder. And I've learned over time, like she's so sensitive to my moods. Like if I get impatient or angry about something, she really feels it. Do you find that happens with, um, with other people? Have you come across that with other clients? Yeah, absolutely. And you're, you're just spot on, you know, when it comes to this whole positive reinforcement movement, what, what it's really saying, what it really means is that, is that we want to use things that give animals, pets, positive experiences, positive vibes, whether it's praise or food or toys. And we want to reward the good decisions that they're making or motivate them to make those good choices. If we do that and we start to mold these great habits, we're going to see less of the bad habits happening. You know, the latest research shows that when we use any type of force with pets, instead of them making a connection, because I did this, my owner did this to me in that response. The pet actually starts to associate the owner, the human, with pain. You know, the pet doesn't go, because I got into the trash can, my owner, you know, yanked my collar or my owner, you know, yelled profusely at me. The dog goes, I'm scared of that human. I'm scared of that person. And I don't know if I want to get close to them. And mentally, that's breaking. So you're right that these pets really do mold to our attitudes. And when it comes to health and wellness, you know, pets need to be around, you know, people that can help nurture that. And if you are a sad soul or you have had something bad happen, those pets know it and they're there to help you through it. It's just important. We don't take any of it out on them because that is very, very confusing to them. Yeah. 
Now, you had mentioned, I think, uh, sit, stay, and quiet as commands that maybe people could work with their dogs on when they're out in public. Do you have other commands that you think are really important for dog owners to work on with their pets, either in terms of like keeping that, that animal safe or in terms of encouraging them to be more active? Yeah, of course. So all, all basic obedience, and, and you listed some and I can list a few more, but sit, stay, come is one of the most important behaviors you can teach you know, your pet. Obviously, if dogs most importantly because they, they tend to be outside more often but it can be a life-saving command you know if you're walking down the sidewalk your dog gets off the leash and is next to the road and you can say you know hey buster come and that dog comes you know barreling towards you you know you potentially have just saved your dog's life from running into the street and being hit what i encourage my owners to do is to use the meal times as short little training sessions so if you feed in the morning and you feed at night and you have five minutes to, to feed breakfast and five minutes to feed your dog or cat the meal, use that five minutes and use their food to reinforce those basic obedience commands, whether it's you're working on sit or stay or come, even if you're doing little tricks like roll over and paw and high five and wave, um, all of those things are engaging your pet's mind. You're making them work and you more than anything, you are growing that bond and that relationship with your pet because you're engaging them in something positive and something that, that is helping them, you know, you're really enriching their lives through that, that type of thing. And it, when you look back on it, we're talking about five minutes in the morning, five minutes at night, 10 minutes a day that you could be working on these, that then you could end up being outside uh, in these commands. One, you could either be the hit of the party because your pet knows so many great behaviors and commands, uh, but you could also potentially save your pet's life. So how did you hook up with Animal Planet for the show? How did they find you? Yeah, so I lived in Los Angeles for nine years. I, of course, I grew up on the ranch, and I was the oldest of four, and I just there was no way I was going to go back and drive the tractor after I graduated from college, <laughs> even though I did. And I for like two months, I was there, and I was like running the tractor into the fence and, you know, messing up the mower. And, and I don't know how much you all know about farm equipment, but it is like – I mean, you think you think vehicles are expensive, like a Mercedes Benz? Well, you talk about farm equipment. Oh it's no, like, it's like triple. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah right. It is crazy. It is so crazy. So, but I was just daydreaming about doing something else. And uh, my parents, they're so great, and they were like, "Hey, if you want to go, like totally go. Like we will support you." They're like, "Not financially. We're not giving you any money. They're like, you have a college <laughs> degree. You could you can do it on your own." But they said, "Go, go do." It. I think they expected me to, you know come back within the year and I took off to Los Angeles and I never looked back. I did acting for about eight years and was able to do that solely for the last five years of being out there. And in 2008, there was a writer strike. I don't know if you all remember that or not, but um, yeah. as an actor, when there's a writer strike, it's like, well, they're not writing any more episodes for shows. And I had just gotten a boxer puppy named Presley and he was really my, my first dog that was, you know, all mine. Mm -hmm. And I, had, I made a lot of mistakes with him. I wasn't a trainer at the time. I was just the owner of a dog. And I just, gosh, I didn't know a lot what I was doing. I always got really frustrated. And there was this reality show on CBS called Greatest American Dog. The whole concept of the show was to bring an owner and their dog, and they were going to have 12 pairs, and to see who could grow the best bond and relationship with their pet over the course of this, these 10-week challenges. 
And um, they found us in Runyon Canyon, and they ran up to us, and they said, oh, my gosh, you know, your dog's, you know, was that your dog? And at the time, I mean, Presley, poor thing, when I, I would say his name, he would run the other way. Like, he was not, he was not <laughs> obedient. He was the opposite. He was the typical guy and dog. And so they, they asked me if that was my dog, and I said, uh, I said, well, did he do something to you? Like, is he in trouble? Cause I, I, maybe I shouldn't claim him. And they're like, no, he's great. He's great. And they told me about the show. And one thing led to another, we ended up being the 12th pair picked for this reality show on CBS. And we were actually picked to be the laughing stock of the reality show. And I, we worked so hard. We ended up winning the show. Presley went from being like the most annoying pet I thought I could ever have to literally my soulmate in a pet just my absolute best friend I learned about positive reinforcement and making things fun and keeping it short and it just changed my life I mean to be honest with you and so we developed a children's curriculum around character education and bully prevention in 2010 um, and then licensed it to a company called Frog Street Press out of Grapevine, Texas. I'm bringing this full circle. The production company for the show was out of Austin, Texas, called Castleview Productions. And they were just doing Google search on dog trainers for, for this show um, that we now have. And uh, by the time they found me, I had moved on to New York uh, with my wife and uh, was here and have a dog training company here. And so they just tracked me down through the children's curriculum company and they led to me. And, uh, two years ago they pitched me the idea and I said, I love it. Let's do it. I went to Austin, Texas to shoot the pilot. I did it for free cause I love the idea. And in the last year and a half, we spent pitching it to different networks and getting told no, like everybody does in life. And we stuck with it. And here we are, we have a six episode first season. Well, congratulations on that. That's, I mean, You've had a lot of successes right there just in that story, but that is really exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, well, I think that probably we're all feeling the urge to go snuggle our pets a little bit after this. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, at least I am. Um, they, the, Holly hasn't come back from the UPS guy, so I don't have anybody snuggling at my feet right now. But we have one question that we ask everybody at the end of each episode, and that is, uh, what is the last song you listened to before you joined us for this interview? Wow. I know. <laughs> it's a tough day. <laughs> Okay, you guys are going to love this. Can't wait. Ready? Yes. Yes. I, well, I'm not, I, I'm actually not going to sing it, but I mean, I'm, I'm kind of, because, so I, so, I mean, you can. Uh, my wife and I, I can't, okay, okay, I will. And then you guys can tell me if you, do you, do either one of you have children? No. No. Okay. So you may not know this, but you may, you never know. My, you might have nieces, little nephews. So my wife and I, we have a six month old and here's the song that I hear every single day. I bet you'll be able to figure, figure it out. It's. Hot dog, hot dog, hot diggity dog, hot dog, hot dog, hot diggity dog. It is from the Mickey Mouse Club on Disney Channel, and that hot dog diggity dog song will never get out of my head, and it's the last song I heard today. And if it wasn't, it may as well have been, because I can't get it out of my head. That is awesome. That's a great answer. <laughs> and really quite appropriate, uh, given the topic of our conversation. Oh my so. gosh, you know what? I did not even think about that. That is hilarious. I wish I had planned that. Oh my gosh, I didn't. This, that was totally, just totally came to me, ladies. That's how, oh, that's how it works. It yeah, totally this, came to me. This will totally forever, forevermore be known as the hot dog, hot dog, hot diggity dog. Hot diggity. 
You're the I'm first person to sing to us, by the way. So thank you for that. That oh, was awesome. Okay, good. Well, <laughs> my uh, my wife is actually a Broadway singer, so she will probably not be impressed that I chose <laughs> to actually sing to you ladies. Um, uh, but anyway, I'm sure she'll give me a pass because it was about our, our son, Blue, so we'll be okay. <laughs> well, thank you so well, much you for joining us today. That. Yeah, yeah. Margo, Kristen, thank you so much. And, uh, you know, hey, the show comes out this Saturday. It's going to be September 30th and we're really excited 10 p.m eastern you know check it out and i would love to visit with you guys again sometime and hear what you think about the show absolutely perfect love this show tell us why in a five-star review on itunes and we'll read it on the air also make sure you are a subscriber if you want to reach out to say hi or have a question about a recent episode yay well feel free to email us at podcast at fitbottomgirls.com And if this podcast jives perfectly with your brand, consider sponsoring the show. Get more info by emailing advertising at fitbottomgirls.com. Find all kinds of Fit Bottom goodness online and on social media at Fit Bottom Girls, Fit Bottom Mamas, Fit Bottom Eats, and Fit Bottom Zen. And if books and movies are your thing, check out the other podcast I co-host called Book vs. Movie, which you can find anywhere where you search for podcasts. Thanks for listening.